welcome again to the uh, the intermittent, uh, ever-intermittent Chipman Brothers Tangent Podcast. Uh, I am uh, Bob Chipman. Uh, you know me online as Movie Bob, and uh, with me, as uh, always, is my brother Chris. Uh, say hi to the people, Chris. Hi. All right. Okay. Uh, we, we've been off for a couple of weeks, right? Yeah, I um, I had a room to renovate in my house. Yes. Um, and it is done. Special thanks to you, good sir. Oh, I, I didn't do that much. You did a ton, and we had a very sick baby um, during oh. that. Oh, yeah. how Is she feeling oh, better? Oh, she's doing great. Oh, good. So we, we intended to do one last week, and it didn't happen. So um, right, yeah. you guys will have to, you know, just watch this one twice as much. Or listen, download. What do you? Yeah, download. That's what, That's what we want. Download. <laughs> <laughs> oh, why? Yeah. So listen, download, uh, give give us you know subscriptions and likes and you know rate us highly on on the iTunes if you found this via the iTunes. Yes, is this on iTunes now? I I, I uh, it should be. That's uh, if, that's actually kind of amazing. Yeah, if if not, uh, you know that's up to uh, to Libsyn system, but we'll see. We should be trending if that's yes. important or means something. Trending, getting the clicks, getting and the hash- all the clicks and hashtags. Massive hashtagery. Ma- <laughs> Tomfoolery and hashtagery. Yes, yes. All right. So, uh, so, so, we're recording this on uh, the seventh of June. Ooh, and uh, and relevant. We came in second place at bar trivia tonight. Oh, cool. Me, me, and my wife and our good friends and Ava was there because she's our ringer. Okay. You know, because the youth just know things. Yes. And um, we came in second place. Oh. By a half a point. And how did that happen? Because we won a tiebreaker. <laughs> um, the question was, how many hours was James Franco stuck under that fucking rock? This is exactly what that guy said. <laughs> and the other guy looked super confused. And I just write it down and wrote under it. It's the name of the fucking movie. The guy said, yeah. (laughs) So 127 hours. But the relevant thing is the name of our team was I like cream in my (laughs) Kofifi. So we normally play as Tequila Mockingbird, but. Right. (laughs) It was special. It was special. Yes. So that's that's relevant to the Kofifi. Yes, yes, very relevant, very uh, topical. Yes, I um, we should fall asleep mid podcast at some point and see what it sounds like. <laughs> but don't worry, there's a few of you out there that'll understand what we meant. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, uh, you know, it's at some point if we make it out of this. What's weird is it's going to sound funny in retrospect. Yes, it's going to sound you know? hysterical in retrospect, especially if we talk about it vague the way we're talking about it. Yes, this will yes, all yeah. this will all sound very weird um, when we come up for air on the other end. Um, it'll yeah. be like a reverse Planet of the Apes. Yeah, yeah, it's it's all very you know, Pete, you know, like my my grandchildren will be asking me, you know, Grandpa, is it re- we were reading a history? Is it really true that a clown was president for a while? That sounds fun. And my answer would be no. Yeah, no, no, it is no. not. This was this was not that was not particularly amusing. No, we just did not have a present. Yeah, no. 
Yeah, this this has ruined for me the entire genre of like you know lovable moron gets a really important job. Right. So you know, Adam. Like, so Adam Sandler. Well, no, like for a while, you know, they would make these movies where it's like you know, like King Ralph or something. You know, oh. Where it's like, hey. Yeah. 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 Whoops. You know, like, hey, what if? What if we gave a moron the most important job in the world? It'll be really funny. And then it's like, no, no. It it turns out that uh, that you know the president being legitimately stupid is uh, is not uh, not super fun. Well, it makes um it makes watching Idiocracy impossible. Yeah, yeah. We we are so far beyond uh, parody on that, which right? is just uh, just amazing. Yes. You know? Like, shit, the Simpsons movie, you know, I was elected to lead. Not, not to, to read. read. I choose number uh, two. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, it's like, oh, hey, that's really funny because we'd never actually be led by anyone that stupid. And uh, Hey, no, and, and, and the guy they were joking would be that stupid is the one um, owning the other yeah, guy. Cl- yes. Yeah, yeah. You can get clout. You can get owned by former Governor Schwarzenegger. Yes, Arnold Schwarzenegger sounds more political savvy than the president. United States, probably I, I true. Said, I just said former Governor Schwarzenegger, and it doesn't even sound strange. Not anymore. It, it, just, it just sounds like the most normal, natural thing, and it's like it, it's like that Simpsons joke where, like, you know, wow, Fox turned into a hardcore pornography channel so gradually, I didn't even notice. Uh, <laughs> 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 oh boy, so podcast. Yes, yes podcasting. This is, this is not about politics. I yes, swear. This is, this is Even not a political podcast. Gets me angry. Um, yeah. Anyway, so things. Um, what has things, happened? Yes. So we were talking about Hellboy, and uh, um, yeah, last time we talked about the Hellboy reboot. And something we didn't touch on, which was probably that day or that week, was that uh, um, Chris Cornell passed away. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was that was messed up. And for those of you that are much younger than us, we hope that are listening to this. Chris Cornell um, was the lead singer, writer, musician of Soundgarden, Audio Slave, Temple of the Dog, yeah, various other side solo projects, part of the uh, the early '90s grunge movement. Yeah, you know, and um, you know, a lot, those guys keep dropping like flies, and you know, he was about at the point in his career where, you know, when the Rolling Stones were touring again in the '90s. They were yeah. about the age Chris Cornell is now mm. or when he passed. And yeah. so when you make it to that point, it's like whatever they did, it's not taking them. Yeah. You know, you usually give him a pass. Like everybody knew Scott Weiland was going to die. Yeah. Um, just didn't know when, but he didn't stop dropping off the wagon. And this guy seemed to be legitimately um, doing all right for himself. Happy, touring. Yeah. I mean, he finished a... Uh, a reunion, not a reunion show, but a tour with Soundgarden or a show with Soundgarden, right? And then they found they, they, him, they, they found him dead. Yeah, you know, and we, we, um, yeah. this we mean no, yeah. what we 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 mean no disrespect earlier to the family and loved ones of Scott Weiland. It's uh, right. You know, no, it's no, a terrible no, no, tragedy no. there too. It's just yeah, it's it, it, it'd be kind of like um, I mean, there were signs. For instance, you lose um, the singer of Alice in Chains, whose name I'm Stanley Lane Staley. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, that was not a huge surprise. Kurt Cobain, you know, OK, it was a surprise to everyone at the time. But, you know, you look at you look back at the behavior and 
you know, things. We're, we're not here to diminish that. Yeah. Um, but it's just when you get to this point in your career, your your demeanor, you know, um, it just it's it's a huge surprise. And I mean, this guy, uh, I'm big part of our musical upbringing, right? You know, yeah, we, yeah. You've, we've got the John Lennons and the, the Jim Morrison's and you know, countless of, of our dad's generation. And then we've got, mm. you know, our, the grunge movement was kind of our thing, you know. Yeah. Um, and, I mean, the only guy really left is Eddie Vedder. Yeah, yeah, Vedder, Vedder is alive. Right, You've Alice in Chains yeah. loses their singer, Nirvana, mm-hmm. um, Stone Temple Pilots, and Soundgarden. Yeah. Right, that leaves one guy, the, the other part of Temple of the Dog, right, singing yeah. duo. And yeah. so, I mean, this... I listened to uh, Sirius XM, and mm-hmm. they they have a '90s station with yeah. him, yeah. And they basically went on full red alert, mm. and they canceled everything they did that day. And basically, it it it, it was working is like a, and this was an amazing thing to see, you know, for for everyone out there to think about the society we live in now and how it handles this versus the society we lived in in the early 90s when Kurt Cobain died, right? This station basically became uh, nearly a suicide hotline. Yeah. Right, where they people were just calling and they, they were telling people, you know, hey, call me, call this station, have it out, be emote, tell me how this makes you feel. I mean, this music meant something to me, but this music really meant something to a lot of my friends and a lot of yeah. people that I yeah. knew, you know? Um, and, I mean... I just heard people laying their hearts on the line and they played songs by this guy. And it's like the fact that our society, especially these people that might've been kind of hiding this and shelving it and putting it in the background. Um, you know, the kind of, the kind of, you know, your buddy that's kind of quiet and in the corner at a party and doesn't really talk to everybody that's calling into this thing and is able to just lay his heart out there about what this means and that this guy, you know, took got him out of hard times and then you lose the person you lose the voice that helped you out when you were down that's a that shakes you to your core Mm. you you know and it was just amazing to see that in nowadays society we don't turn it into you know like you said not not to diminish the families of the others that when someone dies and maybe they killed themselves maybe they had demons maybe it was just shit luck you know what i mean or maybe it was accidental whatever it is that we're not treating it like they were a bad person. You're able to yeah. still say this person meant something to me. This person touched me. This yeah. person did this. And the outpouring, the outpouring of love for this gentleman and the music that he wrote and the things that he did, it, it, it elevates it. You know what I mean? It, it um, Not his dying, but the reaction of people, the supportive reaction that people have when it comes about. And I mean, it's why, it's why these people do what they do. They're entertainers and they're making money, but... You know, you'd, you'd like to think that what you do has a lasting impression on somebody. Mm. And so that was, it, I don't know what your thoughts are on it, but it, it, uh, it, I can't believe we didn't talk about it then, but it, it, it shook me pretty hard. It's, it's sad. It was, it was, it, I think one of the reasons that we didn't get right into it is because it was kind of hard to believe because you're right. At a, at a certain point, uh, you know, oddly, when you stop regularly hearing about someone, but you're also not hearing that, like, their career is over, you kind of assume that they're in that, like, safe zone. 
Right. Know, right. Where they're just they can they can go they can they can tour like once in a while when it comes to musicians they can tour once in a while every year every year they can you know hit up the county fair like if like like I don't think about and I'm just pulling a name out of my ass here I I don't think about the existence of the band like Sugar Ray. Right, but that guy's doing great for himself apparently. Yeah, yeah, but like like. You know, their music isn't really on the radio anymore unless you're listening to what is now an oldie station. You're not... Uh, <laughs> Good point. You know, you're, you're not really hearing from it. Um, but you also don't hear about, well, the former lead singer of Sugar Ray's in trouble again. You just kind of assume that they're doing the county fair rotation and, and that that's okay. And when you hear about something like someone like Chris Cornell pass away, you know, it, it just goes, oh man, you know, that's... You know, I thought he made it out. You know? Well, right. It's it's like you know you you could apply it to that buddy from high school of yours that you know a- after a while it's like you don't got to check in on them anymore. Maybe that's the lesson to learn. Is it's like celebrity, I'll quote civilian, quote unquote normal person. You know, however you want to lay that distinction, they they need the support and the love and wh- whatever whatever actually went down here. You know what I mean? Um, you're never just all right. There's you, you always need people. You always need your support. You always it, just being good at your job, just working or just having, you know, a family, kids, you know, there, it, there's more to it than that, you, mm. you know, and it's just it's really interesting. Um, and again, it, it sucks that it takes a tragedy to bring so much out in people, but it's it's wonderful to see that it's not being turned into a um, oh, and now all the shit kickers talkers come out like you you, same thing like you know you have with like prince or michael jackson or everything it's like okay there those guys there's demons and things you know that but they they created something and um it's just it's odd it's hard to place the, the thoughts and the feelings on it but i thought you know doing kind of like a geek culture podcast um it's not 100% relevant i mean there wasn't a lot of chris cornell tunes showing up um in some of the greatest motion pictures ever ever made you know but i'm sure that they were there um but uh you know it it's just you know that we're old enough now that we're you know we're getting into the we're going to start losing these people to old age not just to this kind of stuff um mm. and uh it's a hard thing to take you, you know we i don't know if we mentioned that on this before but you know when we were watching that 70s show on tv the time it was taking place in was closer to when we were watching it in real time than now is to when the show was on. Mm. Right. It's just dating. It's dating us pretty quickly. Right. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, these people aren't indestructible, mm. even though they seemed like they'd be with us forever. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, not, not, uh, not, not a happy thing. No. And to, uh, to tangent that into movies, back to the tangent from Chris Cornell um, into movies. Um, I'm a huge stop motion animation fan, as you know, from when I was younger up until now. Um, it's a shame that we're losing it. It seems yeah. that the Laika is no more, which is a goddamn shame. Um, mm. But um, Peter Salas, uh, the voice of Wallace from Wallace and Gromit, said, I think that was today or yesterday. Uh, yesterday, yeah. Yesterday passed away. So, um, you know, well, actually, se- several days ago, he passed several, away on June second. At ninety-five. 
Yes. So it's it's sad on a personal level of just we won't have any more of him. But, you know, that's mm. a ripe old age. Um, sad for his family, too, I'm sure. But a much more acceptable age to uh, to leave this earth. So, um, yeah, that to start the podcast on a downer note. Yeah, yeah, that's that that is a shame. He was a well-known uh, English character actor otherwise, uh, mainly worked in the uh, 60s and 70s. Uh, had some Doctor Who appearances, uh, was in uh, several of um, some of some of the uh, the Hammer Horror films, uh, but uh, was best known for Wallace and uh, was the voice of Rat in The Wind in the Willows. Awesome. Uh, he, he, he had retired as of uh, 2010, so he was not uh, right. Were were they to make more Wallace and Gromit, he was not the current voice of Wallace, but uh, he was for all of the existing productions. Right, and that's yeah, that's sad. Yeah, yeah, that's sad. That's. Uh, well, that's uh, so. Uh, so, so we we decided to open this week with a downer, everybody. Yes, and 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 unfortunately, we may have to go into not necessarily death-related downer, but um, uh, I guess the next step of the way is Bob. There's movies have come out since the last time we talked. Yes, films, films have uh, have been released, and, and surprisingly, I have seen again films. Yeah, yeah, I um, think, uh, yeah, you saw you you saw uh, Pirates of the Caribbean, correct? I, I saw um, Pirates of the Caribbean: The Search for More Money, and, um, <laughs> and 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 Wonder Woman. And I think to start with Pirates, the difference between me and you is, as some people have their their crack um, in cinema, where they they leave a lot, um, allow a lot of uh, a, a long rope, if you will. Um, in disbelief and oh my god, why are they doing this again for um, for films like The Fast and the Furious, which redeemed themselves, um, or worse off, say the Transformers films, which I think are mostly terrible. Um, I have a soft spot um, for these Pirates of the Caribbean films, mm-hmm. and um, I know you did not like it, um, and I would not say it is a great film. Um, it has a lot of problems, and I'm sure as talking through it, we agree on a lot of its problems. But um, it 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 worked for me in that I look at these things as a theme park ride now, and it made me smile. Um, but man, did it have some problems. Um, and uh, I think the most important thing that you said that I said immediately in the middle of watching it was, you know, we just got Guardians of the Galaxy two which we already talked about, but it is a perfect example of how you do a sequel. You get people into the theater by basically making something that they didn't know they wanted. And instead of giving them the same thing again, you give them a completely different. Mm. Um, And that's how you do a sequel in my opinion. And these pirates movies tried to do that for two of them kind of failed. Mm -hmm. Um, Not fully, but it did. They didn't work quite as well as the first one. And then these last two movies just force awakens did. And Mm -hmm. you can't do that unearned. You can't showboat and basically remake or retread um, and have it fully work and not seem boring without some time having passed. Yeah. And you you touched on that. And I think that's the most important takeaway that I would agree that kind of makes this feel a little um, uh, boring (laughs) would be the there's no new reason for any of this. It's literally stand-ins for the same story we've already done. And okay. So maybe it's putting a fresh coat of paint on a theme park ride, but the animatronics are still old, you know, and um, your character is, was funny once in his one note now, 
And um, so that, those were kind of my takeaways. It's making a lot of money. Um, so fine by that. But uh, I don't yeah. know. You've, you've already said a lot in your review, but what, what do you think um, m- more uh, removed from the first weekend it came out? I'm so tired of this shit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I really, like, I'm not not just tired of the Pirates of the Caribbean movies. I'm tired of the the kind of aesthetic that they brought with them. You know, I'm tired of this thing where everyone who wants to direct a big bloated CGI movie has to shove in some kind of, like, ripped off from Buster Keaton business, you know, where where someone wanders through a bunch of CGI going off and doesn't get hurt, and this All sort right. of, you know, you know, the, the, for a, a terminology that, that not everyone is necessarily always familiar with, um, there's a term in in the movie business called previs or previsualization, and pre previs in movies almost everything is storyboarded out and plotted out because this shit is expensive. Yes. Uh, pre previs is when they do now that they have the CGI, they do the actual like basically an animation of what the scene is going to be, and if you're if you're someone who's a really good director you know like uh, like a James Cameron or or someone like that who uses a lot of previsualization um you use this to create these very elaborate scenes for long takes to tell a completed story what what ends up happening now is that these big CGI movies are so expensive and they take so long to make and the effects take so long to render that a lot of the big special effects sequences for these movies are completed, you know, as pre-visualization, you know, with the animatic ready to go to have the final elements dropped into it, that they end up figuring those out before they really know what the story of the movie is. So you end up with these epic scenes in these movies where basically nothing is going on that moves the story forward in any meaningful way, but it looks really cool, and it's a signature moment for some character that you're trying to get across, and it's most of this movie looks like previs, because there's these huge set-piece Rube Goldberg, things-going-everywhere scenes, which would be very interesting. If anything, tied it together. Right, well, if there was anything going on with it, like the the big, hey, Captain Jack is back uh, intro scene for this movie is this weird bank robbery thing where they're dragging a building through the streets and it's all very Buster Keaton and Johnny Depp is basically flailing around doing his drunken fop thing and always barely getting hit by things but not getting hit by things. And it's a very amusing scene. It plays out, you know, it all, like, all the money is right up there on screen. But by the time it's over, the only thing that's really been communicated is, hey guys, it's Captain Jack. You remember him? He's still doing Captain Jack stuff. Right. And not in the ironic 21 Jump Street kind of way. Right. Whereas in, uh, in, in a movie that, you know, does a big, uh, you know, pre-visualized style action scene like, uh, it feels weird to bring this up to defend it, but like the 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 three Hobbit movies are notorious for this because they ended up having to make three movies out of what was supposed to be two, right? And and so there's these big, huge, long scenes. Like the the scene where they're escaping in the barrels is an almost pointlessly long scene because all it does is move them from one area to another. Correct. But during that scene, 
you know, and I'm not going to, like, I'm, I'm purposefully using this by not picking, you know, something that's from, like, the best movie ever made or something, but, like, that scene does eventually give you, like, there's story in that scene, you know, we, we get to see a little bit more of these you know, 14 main characters that we have interacting. We see what they can do. We're reminded, okay, this is that guy's style of fighting. This is what they're doing. You know, there's, uh, you know, Legolas is being a bat. You know, it's like, oh, hey, Legolas is back and he's being a badass and he's fighting the orcs. Well, and, 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 and you're, you're right. It's an example of someone that, that even in something troubled, where it's still kind of being hobbled together quickly, in yeah. the hands of someone who's actually good at piecing that stuff together, it doesn't completely fail. Yeah. Well, like, even in that, the, in, in this specific barrel scene, the shot that I'm thinking of is there's, there's one bit of business in this where Legolas has just come in and he's, you know, Orlando Bloom is so psyched that someone put Orlando Bloom in a movie again. And hey, he's they his... did that in Pirates <laughs> of the Caribbean, too. Yeah, right, yeah. Whoops. Sy synergy. And, uh, you know, he's jumping on the guys and he's just doing his, I'm an elf, I'm a badass, just sniping everyone with arrows, just killing guys all over the place. And in the midst of the whole big, long fight, you know, there's this point where one of the orcs almost gets up behind him and stabs him. And, uh, oh, shoot, the lead dwarf, because I'm tired, the, the, the head guy, Thorin. There we go. Th th Oakenshield. Th 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 right, th Thorin Oakenshield, you know, in the midst of all of this business where Legolas just showed up to save him, you know, Legolas is about to get hit from behind, and Thorin Oakenshield just throws a dagger and kills the orc that's about to get him, and the orc falls down, and Legolas does not see this happen, and it's a, a it's it's one little thing in the midst of an otherwise completely extraneous action scene, but in the midst of this, we at least get, oh, okay, right, okay, now this guy has accepted that this guy's on his side, he doesn't need to, like, show boat and say, you know, hey, that one's for me, something, he just kind of lets it go, like, yeah, all right, I'm, that guy helped us, I'm going to help me respect and move on, and, right. you know, it, it's a small character, this whole business with stealing the bank in the pirates thing gives us basically nothing like that, it just plays out and it's over, and I'm again, you know, like, a rudimentary screenplay pass would be, hey, maybe this movie doesn't have to be you know, a half an hour too long if we find a way to communicate some information. Like, that would be a scene to remind us that Jack has a compass and what it does. Right. You know, which which you have to recall the, the, the other three movies, which were... That was a decade ago, right? Yeah. And yeah. And, and here, the, the weird thing is, you know, now at this point, that like you said, they're, they're parading around exactly what everybody wants to see. Yeah, and not adding anything to the mix. But if we think back to the original Pirates movie, our first, you know, time we meet Jack in that first movie, yeah, he's still bumbling around being a little weird. But when the shit hits the fan, he's actually shown to be a bit of a fearable pirate. I mean, yeah. his first sequence with Orlando Bloom is a sword fight that's incredibly well choreographed and put together. We actually don't know if this guy's not going to run our main character, quote unquote, through. Right. Right. Yeah. And, it, and yeah, this and it, movie has, it's just, this is the drunk. Yeah. It's, it's. And, and again, yeah. I enjoy that because I like the character still, but it, it's as if we're getting the B real of a better movie. Mm hmm. Yeah. It's, it's all just very, 
it just feels pointless. And the one thing that's supposed to make it feel like it has some weight is that we're like we're clearing up the the one loose plot end from the other pirates movies. Yeah. In in this whole bit, for for those of you who have not seen the movie yet, uh, Brendan Thwaites' character uh, has uh, is playing Orlando Bloom and Kiara Knightley's now adult son who is on an epic quest to undo the uh, the, the the ballsy downer ending of the third movie. Which I gotta say, the Finding Daddy sequence involving the little kid version of him at the beginning is some inspired, cool, creepy ghost ship shit. Yeah, that, that leads into I, I was sitting, a good movie. I, I was sitting, well, because again, the, the movie never quite hits that point, but that sequence was great. That yeah. was like Gore Verbinski level, like first Pirates movie, kind of creepy great. Yeah. And the design of um, uh, the Spanish, my goodness, I can't even, Salazar, um, yeah, Salazar his ship. ship was super cool, but they do nothing mm. the fuck with it. Yeah, it's just it's just another thing that's there, and it's like we've we've been through this in all of these movies so far, you know, with the the like it's it's a it's a plot point that uh, that Johnny Depp is still carrying around the black pearl in a bottle in his pocket because of magic stuff that was done in the previous movie. Yeah, because of the third one, which at least decided to go Terry Gilliam bonkers with much of its uh, yeah. runtime, and and then they just kind of throw it back in the water and it's big again, and it's like okay, yeah, fine, here's the black pearl. It's okay. a cool gag, but yeah, it's, it, it's, it's, it just, yeah. it just, okay. <laughs> yeah, it's all, ju- it's just dreary. And-, and and here's the thing. I talked to you about this offline and I still don't fully buy this. I understand that they're all pirates and we've shown that they have to be cutthroat with each other and all, everything's about I'll stab you in the back, you stab me in right, the back. Yeah. But Gibbs, I never took as being a complete prick. Right, yeah. And in this movie, I mean, those of you that have seen this, you know, chime in 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 a comment section or whatever if you agree with me, but it just seems completely out of character for when when they're about to get boarded by the bad guys. Gibbs realizes they're going to come looking for the captain. Is it the British or the bad guys that they get boarded by? I forget. And Yeah, I forget, too. It doesn't (laughs) doesn't really matter because nothing comes of it. And he goes, oh, he's the captain. And he gives him this big speech. About how, you know, Jack wanted him to be captain, you know, and all of this. Just so the guy can get the shit kicked out of him. Yeah. Like, he literally leaves him to get beaten to death and is rowing away kind of laughing about it. It's like, yeah, I get that they were going for, like, some sort of slapsticky, like, Looney Tunes kind of thing. Yeah. But it comes off as just downright nasty. Like, yeah, second it- hangover nasty. Yeah, it's not. Y- you know, there, there, and it. There's, yeah. And Gibbs, I always, Gibbs was always the exposition guy. Like, Gibbs was always the, oh, you just don't know Jack. You know what I mean? And you'll, or he had all the tales and all the fun-loving kind of silly mystery. And in this one, he seems like, you know, he'd, like, you know, kill you. Yeah. <laughs> and I never really got that about him, you yeah. know, before. I don't know. It just, it seemed off. All it's, the characters it, seemed off. Yeah, it's, you know, I mean, I guess that this has made some money, but it's not, like, a huge deal for them, and this seems like the last one. No, I mean, like I said, I'll leave it with, you know, I enjoyed it because this stuff is, like, candy to me. Yeah. But um, but it it was, like, it's kind of like how I enjoy the second Austin Powers movie, but it's just a series of SNL sketches strung together that don't really have a plot. Whereas the third Austin Powers movie kind of had, it still had that problem, but kind of had more going for it. It, yeah. They're not great movies, but man, the joke is funny. Yeah, this one, it, 
it was a lot of vignettes of, okay, I get to relive some time with these characters that I liked, but they should stop. Yeah. They should stop. Yeah, this this should be this should be the end of that. I know like Johnny Depp is off doing uh I guess he's the invisible man for the uh the dark universe. Oh yeah, that that's a good segue. Um you you yeah. also you also <laughs> brought to my attention that Quasimodo is part of this. Well, and... the hunchback of Notre Dame seems to be this is Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um and the Phantom of the Opera yeah, which I mean, they're both technically in the Universal Horrors thing, but but this seems it's like I don't wrong. Know. Well, like <laughs> now I have I have just uh, came back from seeing the Mummy and well, uh, Bob, the, um, you mean the Mummy twenty seventeen? The the Mummy twenty seventeen, starring starring uh, Tom Cruise, starring Tom Cruise uh, as which, as what exactly? Uh, I do not know. blow it. No I, one knows I, I, what he is. You just saw the fucking movie. Yes, I just saw the movie and I don't know what Does he, he is. Does he have a name? Uh, his name is Nick Fury. No, no, no. This is okay. So the, the, <laughs> I, I, that I, would be awesome. <laughs> I'm I'm assuming that the embargo on the mummy will be up by the time I post this because I'm, oh I'm, no, Bob, I don't need to pull pull teeth out of you on it. It just no, I, no, 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 I, no. I find this, is, this so amusing. This is this is this is cathartic for me. So the premise of Universal's Dark Universe Dark is, Universe, which looks like it has the same text as Noah. <laughs> which which is that these are new films that are inspired by the 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 titles and the basic characters of the Universal Monsters but it's not entirely clear what they're supposed to be because the new mummy it's not a horror movie it's not necessarily a monster movie it's got like the tone of a superhero movie but without a superhero in it uh the 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 premise of this is that the new mummy who is the title character but is second billed to Tom Cruise and ends up kind of getting forgotten by her own movie is an Egyptian princess. Well, there's your mistake in and of itself. And she, she becomes a mummy because she killed like the King of Egypt and, uh, tried to resurrect. She tried to create a human host for the God of death, which they keep calling set. But I'm like, I'm pretty sure Osiris was the God of the dead. in Oh, fantastic. Uh, whatever. So she's bad, and she wants to turn um, someone into the host for an evil god that is her boyfriend or something. Whatever. It's it's Sophia Batella. She was the uh, she was Gazelle in Kingsman. She's a really compelling presence. She's a lot of fun. It looks like they gave her fun things to do from the trailers. Yeah. It looks so cheap, though. It, it, it looks like one of the Underworld movies. Like I, it looks like they spend all of their money on Tom Cruise, and I have no idea why he thinks he needs to be in this. That's the unfortunate vibe I took from the trailers, was it looked like a bad Underworld movie, right. not one of right. the compelling ones. Yeah. So the, the trick of it is she needs to get a, a magic dagger and a ruby that need to be put together so that she can stab Tom Cruise and turn him into the the god of death, who is her boyfriend, uh, and opposing her and controlling all this. Tom Cruise is just some guy who finds the, the, the sarcophagus and takes it out. Um, it's in Iraq. Okay. It's, like a it's, a, it's a plot point that it's in Iraq. You know, the movie treats this as, as a big reveal for those in the audience where it says, you know, Mesopotamia, the Fertile Crescent, and then following subtitle, currently known as Iraq. And then the guys with the guns and everything come running by and it's like, oh, okay, they're, they're assuming that most of the audience does not know that uh, Mesopotamia is Iraq, which is probably true. <laughs> yep. And, 
Yeah, so so they take the cut the sarcophagus out, and the mummy comes out, and she does what the Arnold Vosloo mummy does, where she runs around and sucks the skin off of people to, you know, until she looks like something they can make an action figure out of. And uh, uh, Tom Cruise's character seems to die, but is resurrected because she is controlling. All he does is get pulled around by different characters who are explaining the world-building of Universal's Dark Universe to him. Because before the mummy can even, like, lay out what she's up to, up shows Russell Crowe as... Uh, oh, no. He, yeah, he introduces himself as... Does he sing? No, he doesn't sing. He, this is this is not uh, in shape trying Russell Crowe. This is fun, fat, doesn't give a fuck Russell Crowe, which is the best Russell Crowe. That is true. At least he probably showed up. Yeah, he's, he came to play, and he introduced himself as, Well, hello, my name is Dr. Henry Jekyll. Welcome to Prodigium. And Prodigium is S.H.I.E.L.D., but for monsters, and they have all these little bottles. It's like, oh, look, there's the creature from the Black Lagoon's hand. There's a vampire skull. Oh, wow, there's going to be a whole series. And, he, and the movie just grinds to a halt so that they can, like, make teases about other stuff that's going on, and he can turn into Mr. Hyde for a little bit. And then they remember that there's a mummy, so Tom Cruise has to go and fight the mummy, and uh, they, they... Do you give a shit about a spoiler for this? No, I'm, I'm riveted. So, so Tom Cruise defeats the mummy, and if I can describe the the tone of, like, the action battle scary, in quotation, stuff from this movie, all of the scenes of people encountering mummies and creatures all feel exactly like someone ripped off Army of Darkness, but was unaware that Army of Darkness was a comedy. Because Tom Cruise is giving a, a Bruce Campbell Evil Dead performance in this movie, but in his Tom Cruise Mr. Intensity kind of thing. So Because all that keeps happening is people keep saying, monsters, prodigium, mummy, set, dagger, stuff things and like ghosts and demons are trying to lead him to one side or the other and the can and he's just constantly mugging directly into the camera what huh i don't understand what what is that huh i don't get it but in that tom cruise you know you've never seen me very upset kind of thing where his <laughs> neck veins are all bulged out and so like the lat like the big climax is we he's getting ragdolled around this cheap ass looking tomb set by Sofia Batella the mummy and it, it just feels like ash getting thrown around the graveyard but without the cartoon sound effects right <laughs> and it's just so he he defeats the mummy by sticking the dagger in himself and absorbing the superpowers of evil that he's supposed to absorb but because he's a good guy he never gets a backstory by the way we're told, like, uh, you know, uh, Dr. Jekyll un opens a whole file on him and says, Oh, yes, you're a soldier. Very interesting. You're interesting. You could go either way. And never tells us what any of it said. <laughs> and oh, he, Jesus. I don't know what happened in the editing here, but uh, so he, he the, the love interest girl who is also in this movie... Uh, who's someone who works for Prodigium, dies in the midst of this big action scene, and Tom Cruise, who has known this person for about a day, uh, you know, turns himself into whatever, with stabs himself, and then uh, brings her back to life, and she comes back to life, and when she's back to life, Tom Cruise is hiding in the shadows with, like, this, like, you know, in that blacked out, this will reveal the, the monster makeup of whatever he is now kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And he's sitting there going... He's like, don't come near me. I don't know what I am. You have to get out of here. I'll find you. And he, like, dis-a-fucking-peers. 
And and I'm saying like, so wait, what what the fuck is he? Is 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 he the Wolfman? Is he Van Helsing? Is he the Mummy now? And then we get like this weird voiceover from Doctor Jekyll about uh, how you know perhaps what it will take to fight a monster is another monster. And all we get is Tom Cruise in the desert wearing like a turban that obscures his face and riding off into the sunset on a horse. Like, hey guys, I'll be I'll be I'll be in the sequel to whatever the hell this is. It's almost like they didn't figure out what he's supposed to be. So it's not really a mummy movie. It mostly exists to tell us all this bullshit about Prodigium as though this is like the Marvel movies and this is stuff we've heard of and should give a shit. Right, but they forgot to make the movie where you know what that shit yeah. means. And the whole thing turns into the origin story of Tom Cruise as monster yet to be determined. I love it. It's I absolutely awful. love it. It's so bad. Oh my god, this actually makes me want to see this for some reason. <laughs> it's, it's so bad. And and now, like, you know, the talk of, of the town is that, you know, if Wonder Woman doesn't drop a lot, that it might still come out number one ahead of this, and that, you know, Universal might have to... Because, like, they were supposed to start this Dark Universe thing with Dracula Untold, and then Whoops. that bombed, so they said, uh, no, we're not doing that. And now they've got Tom Cruise in these TV ads. You know, have you seen these where he's selling the movie and the movie is being sold like it's a prestigious Tom Cruise project? Like, you know, hello, I'm Tom Cruise. You know, as a young man, I remember watching the Universal Monsters on television and being fascinated by that world of gods and monsters. I hope you'll join me for this exciting new reimagining of The Mummy. Oh, Jesus. No, I oh, have not and, seen this. Oh, um, um, the, uh, the only thing that was of remote interest to me seemed like a joke, and that's that one of the things in Prodigium's collection, uh, turns out to be the, the Book of the Dead from the Brendan Fraser Mummy. Alright, that's cool. Yeah, I like that. Like, like, yes, I am the mark that if you show me a universal monster movie and they have the creature from the Black Lagoon's hand in, like, a formaldehyde bottle, I momentarily mark out and go, oh, hey, all right, the Gill Man. And then I stop myself and I think, wait a minute. This is dog shit. I don't want to see the human anywhere near this. I like that guy. Right, 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 so, right. So that's bad, but... Uh, it's a yeah. damn shame, because the Brendan Fraser one was really good. Yeah. I, in, in I, like, a cheesy kind of way. No, the first the first Brendan Fraser mummy is a perfectly good three-star late 90s blockbuster. It's everything you want from one of those. It's fun. It's just monstery enough. It's just adventure enough. You know, it's frankly a better Indiana Jones movie than the actual fourth Indiana Jones. Yes, it. it you like you said in uh, in your Pirates review, Pirates One is very similar to that formula. Yeah, it is. It's the same movie, and uh, you know, F Brendan Fraser's really good. Arnold Vosloo's really good. That movie was like the star-making turn for Rachel Weisz, who's like one of our best actresses now. Yeah, yeah, dude, the Lobster. Yeah, right. Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean this this is this this like that was that was good stuff and then they made the second one which wasn't very good but you know did have stuff. Yeah, it's stuff. Know, the, and then yeah, 10 were, years later they made a third one. Yeah. You know what's nuts is go back and watch the uh, the Brendan Fraser mummy and that like now feels like the most leisurely paced movie. Like that movie is paced like an art house uh tea time movie now. You know, yeah. it's like an it's like an hour before they find the mummy. There's the whole stretch when they're breaking Brendan Fraser out of jail and they're just on the boat hanging out and it's like, no, we know we've got good stuff. We're taking our time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So so here's the other thing. So th this will be this will be a cool segue from the mummy. 
So if yeah. they are doing the dark universe and they and they go whole hog and they at least make another two movies. Yeah. Okay. Does that mean that whatever the third one is, it's actually good, like Wonder Woman? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. See, the... see, what, see what I did there? <laughs> I, I do. I hope the next Dark Universe movie is good because the next one is uh, Bill Condon doing The Bride of Frankenstein. Um, Give me a second there. Whoa, 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 whoa. Um, yeah, they... So Bill Condon can be very good. Yes, he can. Um, and, and, and every if... once in a while, just having fun. But Bill Condon can be very fucking good. Yeah, no, he he just did Cinderella, and he's uh no no he did Beauty and the Beast. He did Beauty and the Beast, right? Um, yeah, Brana, Kenneth Brana Kenneth Branagh was Kenneth Cinderella. Brana did, did, did Cinderella, but uh, no, yeah, Bill Condon's good. Bill Condon, he he did one of the Twilight movies. Actually, he did he he did the best Twilight movie. He did the last one. He did the Twilight movie that said "fuck this." Yeah. <laughs> just had fun with it. Yeah, we we know this is trash, but it's been trash. People have been watching for like you know seven years, so let's go out on a. But band. Bill Condon also did Gods and Monsters and Mister Right, Holmes. Yeah. Which 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 is which is a fun tie-in. Oh, and uh, Javier Bardem is uh, Frankenstein's monster. Which I would have been more interested in before seeing Pirates, where I love Javier Bardem and he had such a presence in that movie, and they did nothing with him. Well, that was mean, such mean, a well-designed, cool ghost pirate, and they did nothing with him. Yeah. Oh, and speaking of which, Johnny Depp. Johnny Depp is the Invisible Man in uh, the the, uh, the the Dark Universe. Well, Bob, it worked for Chevy Chase. Yeah, yeah. It no, no, it didn't. Um. I know that that was that was like that the the mem- memoirs of, a, of an invisible man while an interesting effects experiment was a, a major major hurdle that irrevocably stained the careers of both Chevy Chase and John Carpenter if I'm not mistaken correct yeah so so that was that 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 was a disaster uh not not as big of a disaster as uh, as as uh, the mummy but uh yeah wow uh, so, so, I'm, so yes. I'm glad I'm glad to hear it's worse than Van Helsing yeah, I I would. I actually Van dig Helsing. Van Helsing. It's a mess, but I dig the shit out of it. Van Van Helsing is like a Van Helsing is a four star perfect film compared to uh, the new Mummy. Oh, good. Yeah, I would I would rather watch the Mummy, the Tomb of the Dragon Emperor again. Oh no. Ew. Yeah, uh. but uh, you you mentioned Wonder Woman. We've both seen Wonder Woman. Uh, and folks have ha- what was that? Have Sorry. Ha- Folks have had a chance to see my review and my spoiler stuff about Wonder Woman. Uh, Chris, you, you, you and the wife both saw Wonder Woman, right? Oh yes. Uh, what, 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 what was the takeaway from uh, Wonder Woman? Well, so an earlier podcast of ours, we talked about Batman versus Superman and how just two months ago, I think, I finally saw it for the first time, and um, we talked about how you and I saw Man of Steel together and how I still. I still hold a candle that that is is a decent film um, that really loses it in the third act for me. I'm a giant Superman fan, but, um, you know, with full respect to Zack Snyder and everything Mm. that has happened with his family, I'll say the same thing you said in his review. Watchmen would make me think that he was cut out for this type of material, and I think that the Man of Steel and... Batman versus Superman especially are more of a studio and script problem necessarily than his abilities to make a good superhero movie because visually the Man of Steel was was interesting and I just didn't like some of it. Batman versus Superman is just an editing and pacing and casting and writing and everything problem. Mm -hmm. But God damn it. If they didn't make a movie 
that exists in the world they created. It does not do anything to diminish the world they created. But because they had the balls, or lack thereof, maybe, quote-unquote, um, to make a movie with a character that is so unabashedly the antithesis of that world and go full hog forward with that. Um, Wonder Woman, to me, is, is just a triumph. I freaking loved it. Yeah. Um, I loved it. It's got flaws. You know, you pointed out it's kind of like the first or second run MCU movies, but I mean, I'd put it up there with the original Raimi Spider-Man um, for just for just jumping right out and being like, hey, you haven't seen this character on a film like this before, and they nailed it for me. Mm. Um, and, and wife loved it too. Um, the crowd we saw it with, we saw it on a Thursday pre-screening or went, went gaga for it, and since then, I've watched um, little girls, wives, general public audiences, men, women, doesn't matter who it is. People are people are getting behind this like they did the Avengers. Mm. And, and I think that's wonderful because the movie's deserving of that type of praise. And to be such a stark, I mean, all it had to be was not shitty. And it is yeah. it, it is so much more than that. It, it, it exists on its own. Yeah. You know, um, every time it, every, I mean, it, it, it opens up and starts in nowadays time with a Wayne Enterprises truck pulling them up. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Don't remind me. Don't remind me. But then it spends its time going, OK, yeah, those those events are going to happen eventually. This character is going to end up in that shitty movie. But this is what came before it. And look, we handled it well. And look, there's there's character arc and there's humor and there's writing between men and women in a scene together that isn't awkward and stupid and um and we gave our second rate characters something to do you know and it it just it was it was just great and i you know i i feel as though it would still be great without those other two movies and it would still be great if it existed in a different universe than they necessarily injected it in but because wonder woman is just the pinnacle of goodness kind of like Captain America is the pinnacle of goodness to make her movie be kind of like her realizing that the world is shit and having that not just be the only one note thing that the story is about. You know, she grows as a character throughout it while still keeping that. No, you know, I'm just good. They didn't do that with Superman. They tried to make a movie where they took Superman, who is also just supposed to be the embodiment of good and tried to give Clark Kent, the embodiment of good, who cares about humans and everything, and also is Superman, and origin, and they didn't earn it because they made Batman versus Superman afterwards. Mm. You know, where he's just brooding and pissed off still. And it they 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 fixed it. They didn't fix those movies, but they fixed their approach to these superheroes. And I, for one, it makes me excited to see what they can do with the other ones. Yeah. It, it makes me all of a sudden think maybe Aquaman won't suck. Uh, you mm. know, it makes me all of a sudden think maybe Justice League won't suck. Do you know what I mean? Um, I I still think it will. And I don't think that has anything really to do with Zack Snyder. I think that has to do with too many of these cogs were in place. Um, but this movie shows me that it, it's not just the studio that can fuck these things up or make them great. Uh, Patty Jenkins' visual style is all over the thing. Well, it still looks like a Zack Snyder movie. Um, the it has the three hundred style slow mos and um, over the top fight sequences, but it uses them um, 
in a way like that's not the only trick we have up our sleeves. Kind of like the first time you saw bullet time in the Matrix and then you get to the Matrix reloaded and every scene's in fucking bullet time. In this movie, they went, no, we, we slow something down when it's badass, not just mm. because it's cool that we slowed it down, you, you know, and it just, to me, you know, the majority of the things the movie tried to do, it earned, you know, it, it earned the reveal of the costume, even though we've seen it before, you know, it, it earned the, the first time she stands up and does something good for somebody. It earned the, the quiet, um, even quieter and slower, th- this movie actually was slower and had more character moments than than some of the uh than some of the marvel movies like the captain america you know mm. it, it was much more paced like that movie and i i hate to compare it i know that's why this isn't set during world war ii because it would almost be the same movie if it were um but uh it shares a parallel with that and even with the christopher reeve um richard donner superman movie where it gives you time to get to know this character we're not just going to start a movie and all of a sudden go, oh, yeah, you know who this is. Screw it. We're just going to get to the action. And only mm. when it does get to the action does it lose a little bit of its footing, but just barely. Just barely. <laughs> yeah. The, the third act is, it's like you said, it's like Iron Man's third act. It's like, all right, the movie was so good going up to this. You, got kinda, you just kind of plateaued a little bit. Whoops. Yeah. <laughs> but it's still cool. No, it's cool. It, it has that kind of issue where you're trying to do an origin movie and also have, like, a character arc and have, like, a, a plot with, with a villain. So, you know, like, we have, like, one half of the movie is, okay, this is the origin, here's where all the stuff comes from, here's, uh, you know, where she kind of comes into her own as Wonder Woman, and then it's like, okay, we're here, all right, now tell us who the bad guy is, give us some misdirection, give her a character arc of, I'm really idealistic, now I'm disappointed, no, now I'm idealistic with intelligence, right. or, you know, and blow, like, something that in a movie that's not an origin, you know, kind of, like, you, you need the... Uh, you know, if I not to do like a, a Marvel comparison, but it's it's the closest thing I can think of is like the uh, the the first Thor movie. You know, by the middle of the movie, we've already gotten to all I need is my magic hammer back and I'll be okay. And then he can't get the hammer and he realizes, oh, I fucked up. And you know, we're at uh, what in screenwriting we call the all is lost moment. Mm-hmm. And and then he has to, okay, now you've got, you know, we're about 30 to 40 minutes from the end of the movie, so uh, now you you learn to be a better guy, you accept, you know, the, the new situation of things, you, you get your redemption, and then you get the hammer back when you die, almost die, fighting the big robot thing. Uh, you know, whereas in, in this, you know, the all is lost moment is when the, the village gets gassed in the, uh, in, in the, the early scene. It's like, okay, you know, I'm, I'm angry. I'm upset. I, I should have been hard headed and just gone ahead and done what I thought I should do anyway. And then we get a little more plot and then we get another misdirection for a short all is lost scene where it's like, oh, I killed the bad guy and nothing matters. And then, you know, disillusionment, and then back up again, and oh, by the way, I was the bad all along, and uh, a, a big final fight scene against this villain who isn't really conceptually interesting, who we've really known for about five minutes, and, you know, it, it's just a big CGI, fire, punchy thing, and, you know, a whole, uh, uh, it's, it, it, it earns a little bit back just for the absurd spectacle of poor David Thewlis with his 
with his, with his horrible period mustache in you know Wear, his wearing his Sauron gear. Oh god, with with his head sticking out of this dumpy CGI armor, literally putting his hands up to the sky, going, "I will destroy you." But but you know the, the thing is, <laughs> as silly as it was, um, it is the most unabashedly comic book thing fantasy thing that any of these DCEU movies have had. Yeah. And and I love it for that. Because it doesn't look washed out and stupid like the um, Doomsday shit from Batman versus Superman. It at least is an yeah. interesting looking scene. It's a little silly. It's a little goofy. But here's here's why I it really earned it for me is because and again, would I have felt this way if only this movie had existed? So we we love the Christopher Nolan Batman movies. The third one's a little iffy, but but I love them. But his approach to doing superhero, which they they still, even though they're trying to reinvent this universe with Man of Steel and um, Batman versus Superman and this and Justice League again, is they still had a bit of ultra realism to them that bothered, me. and so that the switching of the characters, the changing of arcs. So in this one, when you get more revealed and you know spoiler alerts from here on out even though we we went through all the way and basically said that Ares shows up at the end anyway I spent the good majority of the movie because they spent the good majority of no we need to beat her idealism and her everything is good and we need to beat down that you know she there were Greek gods and this Ares thing and maybe war is just human and so I'm watching the movie and going great they're going to give this cool backstory, and not only is she going to get smacked down a little bit with the reality of the real world, we're going to get the, oh, no, yeah, you might have these powers, but, you know, the gods and these other things aren't really real. And so when she kills the bad guy and the war continues, I was really worried that was the direction they were going to go for a minute. Because mm. there was, besides her and the Amazons, there was nothing fantasy level in this movie up to that point. Everything else was very real. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? She was just super strong and, you know, yeah. could, and, and her, you know, and things seemed a little magical, but that was about it. So it was a great big joy to me when he turned around and revealed himself to be Ares. Cause I'm like, Oh, thank God. We actually have, you know, a demon God as our villain here. All right, cool. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> cause, cause up to that point, it was, I w it was very dodgy that they were, they weren't going to stick the landing in that regard, that they were going to pull back a little bit. I, I kind of had a feeling that we're, wherever we were going, we were heading toward David Thewlis because he's just, it's one of those things where unfortunately, you know, this isn't a movie where they've like broken the bank and cast like a billion really big actors right. in small roles. Right. So, so when like a recognizable actor who can probably command some of a fee shows up midway through the movie and just says, oh, hello, I'm just some regular functionary. Hello, cheerio. It's like, oh, hey, you're the bad guy and you'll be back at the end. Okay, cool. That is true. I seem a little too interested in our main character. It's fine. Yeah. Well, it's like when you see, uh, like, like when you're watching a cop show and, uh, you know, and like the special guest star is more famous than anyone who's in the regular cast. And it's like, oh, okay, I know who the bad guy is or the victim is. Yeah. You yeah. Know, and, and Robin Williams as Merritt Rook. And it's like, oh, okay. All right. So true. So, so an another cool thing, and, and I, I think this has been touched upon by others, but I found this super cool because I didn't expect it is we have an actress, Gal Gadot, who's proven now everyone's seen this movie. She had the chops to do this. Have no fear. She's great. She did a very good job. But 
the thing you always get worried about is when when you have an actress who's physically good at what they do and you know is going to be fine in that portion of the part who doesn't speak with what people would say oh, why didn't you give her an american accent or why didn't you give her a british accent you know in these period movies or with somebody like lord of the rings era right everyone speaks with a british accent you know whatever yeah. she has a thick israeli accent so so what did we do and i found this amazing because they start you on her island on the, the amazons with the amazons when she's a child everyone speaks with an israeli accent yeah, and right. I and 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 these are again because we're surrounding you with accomplished actors that can easily still act well and fake an accent. We're gonna not trust in the fact that we because because she'd lose some of her charm if she was also trying to fake an accent that's not hers, right? Part yeah. of the charming part of her is that she, when when she and Steve Trevor Chris Pine start interacting, and she kind of does her little fun pokey, but they work in a classical relationship way, which I yeah. thought was cool about this rah-rah feminism, you know, all, all the man douche, um, men's right activists were so afraid that this movie was going to hurt them so badly that, you know, but you go there and you actually get kind of a classic like 1940s romance a little bit going on, but yeah. with her having the upper hand in a lot right. of the conversations, which I thought was super cool. But yeah. her con- S- screwball is yes. what that's called. The, this is this is screwball romance, which hasn't been pulled yes. up in forever. Her, um, her, yeah, exactly. Her um, ability to hold her own and be charming and adorable and attractive and strong, all those things, yeah. comes from the fact that the movie didn't take something natural about her away. You know, where where it, with other movies, they'd say, no, we want you to sound normal. So right. we're going to have you fake this other accent. And this movie decided, no, normal is that on this island, they speak with an Israeli accent. Go fuck yourselves. Yeah. And, and I, I thought I, that was really yeah. cool. Yeah. I maintain that uh, we we are still in the zone of unknowing as to whether or not this this person like can act at all. But she can do exactly this better than almost like like this is this is one of those like performances that becomes an iconic performance where you you could not recast this role now because everything about this character is this strange, slightly alien, not quite sort of not of this earth kind of physical and, you know, personality presence that she brings. You know, they basically said, you know what? No one really has a conception outside of Linda Carter 30 years ago of of what this character is. So you just do, you know, whatever it is that makes you so damn compelling, and that's just the character. And it's it's goddamn iconic. Yeah, it's not It's not, like, kind of good. Like, they could have made a shit film around yeah. this character and it still would have been worth it for for what she embodies when she's on screen this character. Right. And and I think that's super cool and and because and that's going to I mean and I'm I'm not the person that that needs to resonate with, right? It resonated with me. I got emotional watching this. I stood up, I applauded with the rest of the audience cuz this movie commands that. Yeah. And yeah. and that's not a mistake. <laughs> you know, like they 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 did a damn good job. Like this is a mo- this is a moment kind of a Right. This is this is the DCEU's um, Iron Man moment, you know, where people are going to click and go, no, we want this. 
and not just because, oh, it's Batman, I already like Batman, fuck you if you don't like it, like we got out of Batman versus Superman. Um, th- this means, this is bringing in fans that weren't fans. And and you and I, you know, talked at the beginning of the summer. I, I wouldn't have put this up as being my, my top two favorite movie in theaters right now. Mm. I thought it was going to be decent. I, I, I didn't think it had any chance of being a colossal failure like Batman versus Superman, but I I really thought it was going to be a, okay. It's it's okay, which by comparison is a four star movie, and mm. instead no, it's it's a solid three three and a half star movie, yeah, um, on its own merit, and can only be elevated if what they make after it um, is even better. You know, mm. it could be the, the the springboard for great things all of a sudden, mm-hmm. and and I think that's great, and maybe their clout of we're a director's studio and we don't tell them exactly what to do and we maybe maybe that had some merit with this movie i'm not saying it'll have merit with all of them but maybe they had some merit with this movie you hired the right people and you cast the right people and you found you you found that bright light in whatever you're trying to do with this universe Mm. and and i and i loved it yeah, I was I was really into it. I think thinking back on it, I like it even more. Mm-hmm. And again, it it's it's not this isn't some nonstop popcorn flick. You talked about the Brendan Fraser Mummy being kind of leisure. This has a bit of a leisurely pace for a movie that has two movies jammed into two and a half hours. Yeah, you know it 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 takes a long time to to get ramped up and decides to slow down and have some you know, late 90s, like, family movie, like, comedy bits, and we're going to go clothes shopping, and we're going to, you know, have them dance in a courtyard in the snow, and, like, it, just things that, that have been missed, I think, in this genre in particular. Um, the, the stuff Joss Whedon brought to the Avengers and uh, lesser so in Age of Ultron, where, you know, you've got a 20-minute segment of the movie where we go to one of the characters' homes and meet his family. You know, the, that's the kind of shit that's great to see fuck we'll go back to the original Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie where they spend a 20 minute segment in the middle on that farmhouse yeah and we get all that character stuff with Donatello and Leo and Raph it's just somebody out there is thinking and I'm glad to see that they let the thinking people into the DC Extended Universe a little bit mm-hmm. that, that's my take yeah I, I agree I, uh, you know, I've, I've said as much already I, uh, I'm, I'm very fond of it and I, I think it's uh, I think it's a damn good picture. They did a great job. Yeah. All right. So that's that's some positivity. Yeah. We started. Yeah. We started dark. Got positive. Yeah. Yeah. Started dark. Then went dark universe. Dark universe. Universe. You know, Bob. Dark universe. You know, Bob. I wonder if they're gonna get disturbed to do the theme song, the dark universe. Dark universe. Or or maybe or maybe corn. Dark, yes. Dark, you maybe evanescence. Dark, yes. This it's universe a, is dark. It's very dark and serious business with Prodigium and Frankenstein. Yes, with Frankenstein. Franken, and the bride of Frankenstein. But it's not Frankenstein's monster. That just confuses people. No, it's Frankenstein. It's, it's Frankenstein. He's got, he's got bolts in his neck, I think. We've got to Maybe. find the the special magic gems and assemble the jewel of something that ties the movies together. Yes. The prodigium. 
and and prodigio. <laughs> you have no idea how many actors in this movie are very, very seriously saying the word prodigium over and over again to each other. Hello, my friend Nicholas. My name is Dr. Henry Jekyll. Welcome to Prodigium. <laughs> I, I couldn't tell you that I was working for Prodigium, but in fact, I am working for Prodigium. Well, it, it's not what Prodigium is. It's how. It's how. Why. Unfortunately, no one can be told what Prodigium is. You have to see it for yourself. <laughs> what the fuck? Someone this is more interesting than this movie sounds. No, not all, not only did someone get paid to to like write this one mummy movie, but this is clearly this huge plotted out thing that they've mapped out very carefully about prodigium and trying to find the cure for that's the yeah that's that the, they describe Doctor Jekyll describes himself as being committed to finding a cure a cure for what cure for evil, Mister Nicholas a cure for evil. Oh boy. Yeah. <laughs> this uh, sounds wonderful. This yeah. does not sound at all like something made for Sci-Fi Channel before they made Sharknado. Oh god, yeah, that's exactly what it is. It's like I I I don't want to just like short him, but it really does feel like I'm getting like all jazzed up for like the really shitty high-tech version of Petty Dreadful. Oh no. Did yeah. did Tom Cruise like lose his handlers again? I don't know. I don't know. I I I don't get what the uh, what the angle on this. Is. You know, may, maybe if they eventually reveal what he's playing and it's a really good role. You know, like if somehow you know uh, stabbing himself with an Egyptian dagger has transformed him into Dracula. You know, may, maybe that's where we're going. But I don't are, know. Are we going with like like the Guillermo del Toro like what's um, that movie again? That's what it feels like. It feels like shitty Hellboy. Oh yeah, Boy. and uh, and and you know it's it's uh, you know like I can't I can't figure out what is the thing like I even at the end I kept waiting it's like okay this is the part where they tell us Tom Cruise is Van Helsing right right and I mean I mean yeah. Van Helsing sounds interesting the Wolfman is the vibe I got from the trailer no he's not the Wolfman or at least doesn't seem to be the Wolfman. Uh, it's all. I don't. I don't think they know yet. I think they're like waiting to see where this goes, and then they'll just get Tom Cruise back for whatever the thing is. It. I. I mean, did they like pay him for four movies already or something? Like I. I don't, I don't know. Supposedly he's an untitled Universal Event Movie 2020. Universal Event. Is it a in the, dark event? It's a dark event. It's in a. It's a dark event in the dark universe. Is this nineteen ninety six? Like this sounds like the name of like a Limp Biscuit tour. <laughs> well, or like or an insane clown posse show. Yeah, Welcome I to see. my dark universe. Come it's about Jesus and shit. Don't tell him that. Oh, sorry. Come to the Dark Universe show with ICP, Slipknot, Mudvayne, and Prodigium. Yes. It's all about prodigium. <laughs> prodigium sounds like um like a monster energy drink flavor. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All you right. know what'll get I... you know what'll get you tore up? It's prodigium. 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 See, we're getting in early because by Monday everyone will be doing prodigium.
Oh my god. Like they like they wrote this down and seriously thought people were gonna come out of this talking about it. it's like, oh yes, of course, special homeland intervention, shield, yes. Oh, like everyone was kind of jazzed up about the idea of shield after the first Iron Man, and they really thought people were gonna come out. It's like, oh yeah, prodigium. Let me get my prodigium logo shirt and my well, mug, you know, that they says know, I'm, I'm with prodigium. The way you do this, if if they were gonna do that, is you have like what's Dracula's familiar's name? Ren- Renfield? You have, like, fucking Renfield show up at the end. Yeah. And, yeah. and drop, fuck, if you still want to call it Prodigium, it's like, fine, but, hi, I'm Renfield, Prodigium operative, I'd like you to meet my employer. That's how you end this shit. Yeah, right, yeah. And then there's a fucking castle, and a goddamn bat flies into it, and then everybody walks out going, yeah, there's gonna be Dracula and shit. Who, uh, who are you, and how did you get into Tom Cruise's house? Oh, my name is Igor Master. Oh, yeah. Like, like, I'm joking, but that's less shitty than the movie is. Right. All of that would be more interesting. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, okay. So, I, I think... I think and I, I actually hear the baby crying, which means that should oh, probably... No. no, it's okay. She does... Oh. She's probably just having a little fuss. That oh. should probably be where we, we call this an end. We will call this an end at prodigium. Yes, yes. <laughs> go and go, go, go. Take care of the baby. I'll, well, let's uh, I'll get let's this, no, uh... let's give it our sign off. This will. Be oh, yep, yep, yep. Hit the sign off. Well, I, I, so I say I something. Hold I you mean, up. no, okay. I'm. Uh, all right. Uh, thank you guys for listening to the uh, Chipman Brothers uh, Tangent Podcast. Um, check uh, me out online at uh, at the underscore movie bob on Twitter. Check out my website movie bob central and all my various shows and productions. Check out my reviews on geek.com An actual review of the mummy will be uh, will be heading up there on uh, Friday, I believe. So uh, yeah, yeah, that that's that's what I got. And I'm Chris, still also known as Taserface. Thank you for coming <laughs> along on the tangent.